What's up, everyone? Tara Roberts here, and welcome to Dear Miss Fantasy for week six. We are the official mailbag show for player profiler, and we're going to jump right in because it has been a crazy week. We've got a ton of questions to answer, so I'm not even going to do a preamble kind of ramble thing other than saying I hope your fantasy teams were not hit by these injury bugs. We will dive into it, but we've got so much to cover. As always, I want to jump into some of the hot topics before we dive into the mailbag questions, and we have a ton, so we're going to get through it. Um, but let's start off with the hot topic that I wanted to discuss. Now, technically the hottest topic, of course, was always Miami, but there's only so many weeks in a row that I can lead off with Miami and just how amazing their offense is. So I'm going to leave off with, uh, with the opposite. I'm going to lead off with the literal opposite of amazing. And we're going to talk about the Denver Broncos. Oh my gosh. Now disclaimer. By the time you hear the podcast version of this, the Denver-Kansas City game probably would have already happened. Like, I'm like 99% sure, um, which happens, right? It, it, Of course, it drives me crazy when I want to talk about things um, that are focused in on the Thursday night game. Because from like a fantasy football content perspective... It's almost impossible to do because of when things have to come out. Like I want to talk about, you know, players to cut and trade videos and stuff. I do like, I do a ton of video content guys. Like, um, you can find me on Twitter, obviously at it's Tara time, I T S T E R A T I M E. And, um, I was literally just writing my players to cut video and, I wrote in Sky Moore. I made this whole giant justification on Sky Moore. And then I did, um, was going to do Samaj P. Ryan. And then I realized <laughs> I can't actually do that. Scratch all of the work that I just did because I can't do those because those are Thursday night players and it drives me crazy. But I'm going to talk here about the Thursday night game anyway, because ultimately I don't think it really matters. Um, if, for some crazy reason, they luck up the Broncos. They luck up and they beat Kansas City. Um, I mean, it's possible, right? You know, hey, any given sun, not Sunday, Thursday, any given Thursday, we'll change, we'll rebrand that movie. Any given Thursday, um, especially on Thursday night football, really, because Thursday games can go awry. So technically it could happen. Like it's not a done deal that they're going to lose to Kansas City. That said, I don't really think it matters here because unless they beat Kansas City and then the team just rallies and they, you know, just go on this crazy run and things just totally flip around, honestly, all it would do is just temporarily stop the inevitable. And considering that they have to face the LA Chargers the next week, a prolific offense that will tear up their defense, and then Kansas City again, would they really be able to beat Kansas City twice in the same season? No. Then Miami, Philadelphia, even if they win this Thursday night game, it is a rough, rough, rough road ahead. I have a hard time believing that this team over the next couple of weeks says, you know, we got this. This is a strong squad and we're going to stay the course. No, I'm sorry. I don't think it's going to happen. I think we are getting the demolition of Denver here. 
and it already started, right? Now, let's di- let's dive into uh, Sean Payton real quick. He spent the entire offseason barking and criticizing and talking about Nathaniel Hackett. And while he might have been right about Nathaniel Hackett, man, is he getting his in terms of karma right now. Because all of that criticizing, all of that yapping and talking, and turns out they are potentially even worse than the Broncos were last year. (laughs) But you know what? Let's take away the potential. They are factually worse than the 2022 Nathaniel Hackett Broncos. I said it. I said it. It's true. Okay. At this point last year, the Broncos had more wins than this Sean Payton led team. They were two and three. And one of those losses came by one point. The other loss was in overtime. I mean, at this point, they weren't technically an awful team. Now they were a bad team. But it wasn't to the point in which it is right now. And they actually had one of the best defenses in the league. And that's where we're kind of getting confused here. Because last year, Denver legit had one of the best defenses in the league before the team just kind of threw their hands up and just gave up on Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson and just said, (laughs) we're done. And we really thought there would be some kind of bounce back or continuation because most of that same talent is still there. But no, they're actually awful. The Broncos are dead last in the AFC West behind the Raiders. I don't think that this team ever really bought into Sean Payton. His offseason comments, they just didn't extend to Nathaniel Hackett. He spoke directly on Russell Wilson as well. Um, He just did too much, was overconfident, and he oversold on what this team was actually going to be. You know you were awful when you can get a team, an opposing team, to rally behind Nathaniel Hackett the way that the Jets did last week. Oh, my gosh. You lost to the Jets led by Zach Wilson. It's a problem. This team is bad. And I think that we're going to see a fire sale here. They already started with Randy Gregory. This is just literally like it's deja vu of what we got last year when they traded away Bradley Chubb, when they realized like, man, this isn't working out. But the only difference here is that I don't think that it stops at Bradley Chubb. I think that it continues to roll on down. And ultimately what affects us from a fantasy football perspective is I think that we're going to see one of these Denver Broncos receivers traded. I know we get so hype when we get to October every single year and we're like, All these trades are going to happen. We're going to have all this drama. We're going to have this trade deadline drama and nothing ever happens. It's like a, it's a Van Jefferson to Atlanta. (laughs) Uh, Oddly enough, it's a Chase Claypool to Miami kind of trade. And it's never anything big, you know, blockbuster trades, nothing like very interesting that makes an impact on us from a fantasy football perspective. But I think this is finally, I think this is finally it. We know that teams were calling on the Broncos all off season to see if Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy were available. Um, They are guys that other teams are interested in legitimately. And for that reason, I think that we're going to see one of them go. And that from a fantasy football perspective, we need to look at both of these guys. I don't think there's a real way to tell which one of them would go. 
I looked through the contract. I tried to wrap or the contracts for both of the receivers. I tried to wrap my mind around which one is the more advantageous in terms of the next step for a team, what teams would be looking at them. What benefit would it be? Which one are they trying to grab? And honestly, I think they're both available and it could be either one. So from that perspective, we have to look at both of them because what's going to happen here is that the person who goes is probably not going to go to a team where they're the wide receiver one. That's going to be difficult. They're probably going to go to a contender who will already have a wide receiver one. They'll be a number two. And or a team that, you know, wants to make that push. But it'll be a better situation and maybe more consistency and the upside could be there. So I think that makes them a buy. And then the person that remains on the Broncos becomes the de facto wide receiver one. And as we've seen, when, let's say use Cortland Sutton as an example. Cortland Sutton did fine last year when Jerry Judy didn't exist, right? We've seen him thrive without Jerry Judy, and we're seeing him thrive this year. So I think the person left behind will be fine. And it's also not a bad time to buy low on Marvin Mims. Um, now it's tough to buy low, obviously, because he has popped. This is not a, not a surprise. He's looked very, very good. But at the same time, you know, this is an opportunity for you to get in where he will finally potentially be forced force uh, Sean Payton to give him more playtime if um, a trade situation does happen. So yeah, unfortunately this Broncos team, I think is by the time we get to the end of the month, going to look a little bit different and we need to attack that from a fantasy perspective and try to capitalize on it because Russ hasn't really looked bad. He's looked fine. Interestingly enough, he's been okay. He's been all right. Um, it's just a bad situation because the defense is so bad. They're going to have to continue to push volume. So yeah, we can stay within this offense. The running backs are a bit of a problem. Oh, and by the way, Russell Wilson will stay. There's the, it's not really a trade situation where Russ is going to go anywhere. They're, they're locked into that contract. Um, the running back situation is shaky, obviously. Um, Javante Williams, still a year left on his contract. Um, and obviously they've treated him as the RB one. And while Jaleel McLaughlin was involved before and in high value situations, oddly enough, Javante still had the bulk of the workload and he was seeing, you know, a solid workload. Samaj P. Ryan was seeing his role reduced. So I kind of feel like we're going to see this backfield shared between Javante Williams and Jaleel McLaughlin. It'll be best man wins in terms of the one that's putting up the more production. I wouldn't be shocked to see Jaleel McLaughlin get more opportunities and end up being the more productive back because while I love Javante, clearly he's still working on getting back to who he was. So yeah. Oh gosh. Very, very interesting situation in Denver. Um, from a fantasy perspective, I really do think that the next few weeks are going to be very exciting for us with some moves. Um, moving on to my next thing, I um, want to talk about the uh, talk about the Falcons for a second because I have a bone 
to pick with. <laughs> I have a bone to pick with Arthur Smith. Um, that said, before we move on to the um, my bone to pick with Arthur Smith, I think we need to hear a word from our uh, sponsors. It has been two years since Josh Larkey paved the way for fantasy gamers to start expecting positive returns from Pick'em games, specifically underdog Pick'ems. And how do you do it? Well, you look at the slate and you find a great shootout or a sneaky shootout. You also look for a shit show game. Three, four, five, six guys in one game. That's right. You can do it. You can do it. And you can 100x your payout on underdog. Think about week one. Jets-Bills was a shit show. Did we see the Aaron Rodgers injury coming? No, but we knew the Jets have a good defense. We knew the Bills have a good defense. Why not expect the worst? And the worst is what we got. So if you had gone Dalvin Cook less than, Garrett Wilson less than, Aaron Rodgers less than, Josh Allen less than, Gabriel Davis less than, boom, 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 you can go six for six. Same thing in week two. Oh, week two. Well, sneaky shootout there in Philadelphia. Minnesota's going to be in comeback mode, so we'll go Cousins, Jefferson, Hawkinson, more than. Madison, less than. But also, Swift, more than. Boom, 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 boom. That's how you do it with the underdog pickums, and you use promo code UNDERWORLD to get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You put in 100 underdog matches that deposit up to 100 bucks with promo code UNDERWORLD. Go start picking. All right, my bone to pick. My bone to pick with Arthur Smith. Oh, man, this was the perfect setup for Bijan to dominate. And instead, we got a random Desmond Ritter boom game. Um, we had reduced snaps, reduced touches for Bijan. We had increased snaps and increased touches for Tyler Algier. We finally saw an increased role for Kyle Pitts, despite the fact that many of us had sat him, feeling like this was just no hope. The news that he had, you know, was still recovering and the Falcons were fully aware of that. And it just, of course, of course, the second you hear that, we have a nice breakout game. Um, Johnny Smith was still involved, of course. <sighs> I mean, just, you can't predict Arthur Smith. I am avoiding Arthur Smith games like the plague at this point because what you believe that he's going to do and what makes logical sense, he doesn't do. Um, God bless him. Wish him, wish him uh, the best for the Falcons and in their endeavors. But um, yeah, I'm out. This is so frustrating trying to predict what to do with this Falcons offense. The second you trust them, you get burned. The second that you walk away from them, suddenly they show up. It's wild, and he is a fantasy menace that is there to drive us crazy, and we know he doesn't care about our fantasy team. But it's not fun in like the way that Josh Jacobs doesn't care about our fantasy team. That was fun, right? Um, it's fun when Josh Jacobs says it because he's putting up numbers and he's making us happy. But um, Arthur Smith, mm -mm, I'm not down with it. Um yeah, week one, Desmond Ritter had 18 attempts. After that, 
he has had a minimum of 31 attempts in each game. So they did increase the pass volume. I mean, maybe this means that we ultimately can feel safer with Kyle Pitts and Drake London. But again, the second we feel safe with them and we lock it in, Arthur Smith is going to pull the rug under us. I, I, just, I just know it. Moving on to injury advice. Um, again, with this show, waivers have, when you listen to it, when you hear it, um, obviously your waivers will have probably already run. But it's still important for us to cover so that we can know what to expect and how to approach these new look offenses, especially when there are significant injury situations. And we'll go through it rather quickly because, again, we do have a decent amount of um questions to get into but injuries this week what a rough rough week for injuries unfortunately we've got anthony richardson going to on ir and the thing to note about that is is that this is not a minimum situation where it's like okay ir four weeks he'll be back no we don't know the actual timeline on this it could be a little bit more and it's a little bit scary and i'm hearing a lot of chatter from people who are concerned obviously, because this is, we got the concussion. Um, and not just the concussion, we had the concussion or before that we had him banged up at the end of the game when he took a hit. Then we had the concussion. Now we've got this shoulder injury to IR. We've got a lot of injuries for him and you do have to get concerned when it's, it's difficult to predict, right? We don't want to label people. We can't label people as injury prone unless you truly have a Rashad Penny type of situation where your body clearly can't handle something. But we don't want to look at someone and rule out a Christian McCaffrey simply because of a couple of bad seasons, right? But you do got to look at Anthony Richardson and get a little bit concerned because people are, I've seen a lot of questions coming in like, wait, what do I do? Do I trust that when he comes back, he'll even remain healthy? We haven't seen him in this short career, obviously. Um, out there for an extended period of time, those NFL hits are different. So it's concerning. Um, but the upside is so high on him. Maybe in Dynasty, you take this as an opportunity to try and go buy low, but I doubt the, I doubt whoever picked him is trying to let him go, but it's worth a shot. But in redraft, you just got to stick it out. If you've got IR spots, you, you keep him there. If not, God, you got to hold on because this man has legitimate top three upside. His legs are incredible. The rushing touchdowns were there. This offense is going to be gelling well. Um, you see how the line has performed well, allowed Zach Moss to look like an absolute superstar that he never had the opportunity to look like. I don't want to criticize Zach Moss. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, he'll be coming back to a good offensive situation and he'll be coming back to his spot. And Garner Minshew is not going to steal it. It's not, you know, this is their franchise quarterback. But we do have to just keep in mind that this is you're in you're in this for the long haul, unfortunately. Daniel Jones is another one. We've got the neck injury. Apparently, it's not as severe as they thought, supposedly. So that's the other one that you have to keep your eye on. Um, but the Giants offense is a mess. You just cannot trust anyone within this offense. Darren Waller is the only one um theoretically that you can i don't you know saquon barkley potentially coming back this week you know we'll move on to running backs actually and tie that in saquon barkley potentially coming back this week um this one is tough obviously we're not going to have confirmation and i think a lot of that may weigh on um 
the health of Darren Waller, who was on the injury report as well, and Daniel Jones. They're just unhealthy in general. It's a bad situation. The team is underperforming, and they do have a bye week coming up. So don't know. It's a shaky situation. On a positive note, though, we do have Austin Eckler likely to return. 99% sure. Um, that's not shocking. I think he might have been ready to go for a while now, but he had to, you know, Make his make his point there. He made had to make his Jonathan Taylor point. The running backs are showing like, hey, sitting is how I show. That's how I'm doing. You know, show that you know I'm not okay with this, and uh, I have value, and you need to show it to me. Work for Jonathan Taylor. I think Austin Eckler just literally wanted to show Joshua Cully he ain't me. And um, you made your point. You made your point, babe. So you're coming back. So we'll have Austin Eckler back, and you should plug him in with confidence. I, it sounds like he'll be good to go. This is potentially like a Cooper cup situation where he returns to um, a full workload. So unless we hear anything negative, you, you're trusting it and you're going Jonathan Taylor on the other hand, yay that he's back, but he is getting eased back in. So you do have to be kind of cautious about that with Jonathan Taylor um, because this is now, this is now their franchise running back. They're invested. They don't want to um, damage that investment. So they're going to ease him back in and be careful with him. Uh, James Connor to IR painful. Imari DiMarcato potentially stepping in. We've also got Keontae Ingram. There's the whole depth chart situation there of Keontae Ingram being first in the depth chart. Look, uh, Keontae Ingram has no true rights to be the RB1 now. He has not been in RB1 in the past. He has not given us any high level of performances. There's no evidence of any games where there was like, gosh, this looks like a guy that could be a guy, right? We haven't seen that yet. So I don't think he has rights. We did see a decent performance out of Amari um, DiMarcado last week, 10 carries, 45 yards, touchdown, I believe. So yeah, I, I think that he's going to get a fair shot at this. DiMarcado is. And personally, after what I saw, I think he might take it. So we do have to be cautious, right? Because it sounds like we're not getting tipped off by Arizona. What's going to happen here? And we need to be cautious around this. But personally, um, in deeper leagues, obviously, you've probably grabbed him, DiMercato. He's, his roster percentage has jumped up pretty high. And um, shallow leagues as well. But you need to be cautious, Maybe we don't plug him in this week um, unless you're, you know, in a deeper league or you have some bye week issues or something. You're a little bit scared. It's not a fantastic matchup. You hold off for right now, but you've got him in case this is a situation where he does, where he does take over as the lead back because we've seen Arizona likes to utilize one back. I know a lot of people saying this is going to be a committee. It might not be. That's not how their offense has really operated. So it's tough to say that they're going to suddenly switch to committee work. Javante Williams also coming back for the Thursday game. Yay-ish. We kind of talked about that one, though, so we can skip over it. Jameer Gibbs as well, an injury to monitor. Khalil Herbert, high ankle sprain. Um, this is significant, right? Because we'll have him out for multiple weeks now. High ankle sprains. You know how it goes. We're looking at a month, probably. and. I'm trying to think if we, I think we might have a mailbag question. Can I like, do we have a mailbag question later for me to address this? Um, oh man, I don't know. I can't remember if we have a mailbag question or not. Just in short with um, the Khalil Herbert situation. Um, if 
Roshan Johnson clears, you know, concussion protocol, you know, we can roll with him. And I do think that he'll have, you know, first rights to lead back if not. And it's just single backfield with um, Donta Foreman. Then in that case, you just might want to feel comfortable, even though, you know, you, you're saying he's been inactive. Last time we saw him was week one. Yeah. But RB one is RB one and workload is workload. And, Chicago does have the offense rolling a little bit better. Justin Fields is looking fine and it's not a terrible matchup. It's not the most ideal matchup in the world, but it's not terrible. The offense should be moving. So there are worse things you can do than start the Donta Foreman. Um, Devin, Devon, Achan, 2IR. Yeah, that's another one again. Um, not a lot to do with that one, obviously. We'll just have to um, – it should – lead back responsibility should go to Mostert. But we do have to obviously pay attention to the fact that we've got Jeff Wilson returning from IR. Um, they do like Savannah Ahmed as well. So there's the possibility that this backfield could have more of a committee style. We'll see how this goes. But – Regardless, I think we'll talk about it in a little bit. Then wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, oh, 2IR. We don't even want to talk about this one here. Um, obviously, it's Jordan Addison to the moon, but feel confident in KJ Osborne as well. We've got T. Higgins dealing with the ribs. Um, you got to monitor that one. Wandell Robinson and Tank Dell in concussion protocol. And then Travis Kelsey with the ankle. Sounds like he is expected to play, although he is questionable, but, you know, expected to play. Um, by the way, guys. Before we dive into the mailbag questions, we're going to go ahead and get into those because we've got a ton. The player profiler all in package. You guys know it and you should love it because it has been lowered to $85 through the end of October. We've still got a decent amount of time here. So go ahead and jump in there because you don't want to miss out on this deal. I mean, the all in package um, gets subscribers access to our player rankings, dynasty rankings, DFS, Dominator, data analysis. Um, and you'll also get the world famous draft kit when it drops in the off season. So this is a good deal. Just go ahead and get this now. Save yourself the headache of having to um, get it at a higher price later. If you want it now, go ahead and take advantage of the pricing. All right. Jump into the mailbag questions. And, um, oh yeah, we have got a ton to cover here. Um, the first one that I am going to jump into is, um, Najee Harris versus Jalen Warren. Are we, are we concerned about, I mean, well, obviously we're concerned about Najee Harris. So are we concerned about Najee Harris and are we trusting Jalen Warren? Is this backfield flipping? That is a very good question this is highly concerning <laughs> this is an issue um Najee Harris is RB 38 Jalen Morgan you want to take any wild guesses as to what RB he is RB 23 yeah he's RB 23 outperforming Najee although he is not out working out touching Najee is still the lead back but the issue here from a fantasy perspective, again, guys, the receiving is the big issue here. Jalen Warren is taking the massive bulk load of receiving work out of the backfield. 
and it's leaving Najee with nothing but the touches on the ground. And, um, you know, he'll have a game here and there where he averages five yards per carry, but he's not getting in the end zone. So what are you really bringing from a fantasy perspective? You're not. This is not a good situation. It's not a good setup because the involvement from Warren I don't think that it's going to flip over and take over the backfield because I, again, I, when we look at these change of pace backs, a lot of times people, you know, kind of forget that change of pace backs are supposed to look better than the back that they're coming in. You're not changing the pace to downgrade, right? You're, <laughs> you're changing the pace to do something a little bit different that is going to be more productive. Um, so yeah, that's not that's not unusual. So I don't think it's like a bad side that you have Jalen Warren coming in and doing you know strong production, strong um, receiving work. But from a fantasy perspective, it is a big issue. Again, you know, it's concerning because this is different than Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears, and the difference here is that. The situation is kind of similar where we have the handcuff that is performing at a high level and, you know, out producing, out touching. But the difference here is that Derrick Henry can still get you overall RB1 weeks. Derrick Henry can still get well above that 20 fantasy point range. I don't know if Najee can. Unfortunately, it's highly concerning. It's an issue. It's a different situation to where I can still feel confident in Derrick Henry because I know he can still do Derrick Henry things. And I know that in the context of the right game script, I can get what I drafted him for. I don't think I can get that from Najee. It's very concerning. And unfortunately, you can't sell him because nobody wants him, but you can't trust him. He's almost to the point now where he is a low influx and you're questioning it every single, oh, not almost to the point. He's to the point now where he is a low influx and you're questioning it every single week. And a lot of times you're having to put him on the bench because you just can't trust him. Um, moving on to the next question. How are we approaching the Miami backfield? Okay, so I think I kind of like glossed over this one a little bit earlier because I memory served me that we did have a mailbag question. Um, how are we approaching the Miami backfield? So Raheem Mostert is the, yeah, yeah, I did touch on this a little bit. So we'll do this one quickly and move on to another one. But Raheem Mostert is going to be the RB1. Now, we saw last year in 2022 that there was a literally dead even split between um, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. And theoretically, that could happen again. I wouldn't be shocked. But the difference here, even if that does happen and why we can still trust the Miami backs, and I know, I know it gets, you know, we were feeling good about HN and his high level of productivity but I think we can still trust this backfield. And I touched on this last week again on why the Miami running backs thrive because defenses can't focus on the run game. They don't, they can't sit there and stop the run. They have to worry about Tyreek and Tua and Waddle. Therefore, it's just easier for the running backs, no matter who is back there. Um, which is why, you know, the talent pulled through with HN 
more so than Mostert because he has that extreme explosiveness. So he was able to massively take advantage of it. But we're still looking at strong performances out of this Miami backfield, even without him. So don't count out this Miami backfield and don't don't be afraid to invest in someone in this backfield. And obviously, Mostert is still um, highly rostered. I hope to God no one had dropped him. That would have been crazy. Um, and obviously he's not someone that you can trade for because you'd have to pay an arm and a leg, but you can invest in Jeff Wilson or Savannah Ahmed. You can invest in these other running backs. Um, it's, that's perfectly fine just to see how this situation shakes out. Just take a chance. Moving on to the next mailbag question. Um, approaching how are, how are we approaching Kirk Cousins with Justin Jefferson out? That is an excellent question because Kirk Cousins is, he's having a fantastic year so far. Now, granted, he is coming off um, a underwhelming-ish performance um, in terms of where he had been. Not at all. Um, I mean, he'd had those two massive, you know, 25 plus fantasy point games and we were feeling like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be crazy. Um, he's going to be fantastic. And he's kind of cooled off a little bit here over the past couple of weeks, decent performance against Kansas city volume was there obviously because you have to push volume against Kansas city and he's going to have to continue to push volume. That's the thing here is that with Justin Jefferson out, they still can't afford not to push heavy volume through the air because that's just how their team operates. Um, and they've got talent, right? It's not like he's throwing to trash out there. Now Justin Jefferson's gone. Like if you're, let's say, oh, no, I don't want to pick on Dallas. Um, who would be, who would be a good team? Oh, okay. Well, here, this is not a good comparison with the quarterback situation, but let's say that Drake London went down and then you're looking at your receiving core and you're just like, huh? Huh? And you're looking at Kyle Pitts who has been underperforming. You're just like, huh? Huh? It's different for Minnesota. Um, Jordan Addison has come on extremely strong as a rookie. Um, and we have to remember that there was the only skepticism around Jordan Addison was whether or not Physically, he could transition to the NFL at a top level. Um, he was elite in college, truly, truly elite. And everything about him and the reason why he was a first-round draft pick and arguably heavily debated if he could be the first off the board was because of the skill set that he brought to be an immediate impact. He gets, you know, all of the things that you want packaged up in that immediate receiver and why someone like Quentin Johnson needs a little bit more work to come on. Whereas someone like Jordan Addison doesn't need that work because he has the hands. He has the route running. He has the diversified route tree. He, he, he has everything that you need to thrive at the NFL level. So with Justin Jefferson gone, Addison can take on a significant role within this offense and be highly productive. Then you've got TJ Hawkinson, you know, one of the, I mean, we'll say 
from a real football perspective, well, you know, because obviously Kittle has boom games and then disappear games and whatnot, but he is a truly, truly elite real football tight end. So from a real football perspective in terms of tight end and receiving capabilities, you know, TJ Hawkinson is a top five real football tight end as a receiver, clearly. And when you're looking at him, I mean, just like he has, he's, you know, he's not Travis Kelsey, but he's getting you there. He's, he's close from a quarterback's perspective. You can rely on him. And then you've also got KJ Osborne, who I know is not fancy, but we saw multiple times last year. I tell you when I say I was a KJ Osborne truther, I meet it at my core. I do. Um, he is capable of handling volume and being highly productive with it. You may not look at him and think that he is special, but he can be a very, very serviceable wide receiver too in this offense um, behind Addison, in my opinion. That's how it's going to go. So I don't think you have to remove Kirk Cousins from being startable. I think he's still startable, especially in strong matchups. So we've got this one with Chicago, who, hey, has to their credit turned things around, but it's still a vulnerable defense. Kirk Cousins is still a QB one this week. So that's the way that you have to approach it with him. In my opinion, guys, you have to, you have to trust it a little bit, by the way. Um, don't just watch my show. Sorry. Before I transition into just had a, like a little thought pop up into my head um, as I'm talking about this stuff. And then I started to kind of transition to thinking about the Thursday night game and everything. And just it, by the way, Always remember, there are so many different shows across the Player Profiler network. Um, and one of my favorite ones is First Class Fantasy. Thursdays, 3.30. I know you guys love that one, obviously. Um, <laughs> how could that not be someone's um, favorites? And first of all, it's all of our favorite people, right? It's Billy and Theo. How are they not? like? <laughs> you got to love them, okay? I mean, the name says it all. First Class, Top of the Notch fantasy advice across the board. And they have fantastic guests. Um, they just had on one of my favorite people, Bob Harris. This is a must watch, must listen, must consume content. So don't just, don't just follow my stuff. I appreciate you following my stuff. If you're watching my stuff, cause I can always use the views, right? Um, <laughs> um, but, but, you know, make sure that you're watching um, all the content because just as a whole, it just really pulls together player profiler in all of the fantasy content we put out there to really help you guys to win your leagues, um, dominate in DFS, um, all that good stuff, all that good stuff. All right. I'm going to move on to some more questions here because we got more. We're increasing the questions and focusing on the mailbag here on Dear Miss Fantasy the official mailbag show of player profiler. All right. Um, should I play this? Okay. Is this the one that I, no, 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 this is a new one here. Cause I wanted to, I brought up one that I wanted to revisit here. This is a new one here. Um, from shout out to King underscore Carpy 32 on Twitter. Should I play? the best matchup between Logan Thomas and Jake Ferguson, or should I trade Pittman or D hop for Ingram shout out? Because I love this 
question. Um, tight end questions are always super interesting, right? Because it's such a game when you don't have one of the top guys and you're trying to stream and make ends meet a tight end. Um, but this is interesting because the combination of Logan Thomas and Jake Ferguson, it's not elite, but it is potentially being able to stream top, I'll say eight. Five feels a little aggressive, but being able to stream a top eight tight end for the remainder of the season because they both have very favorable schedules. So you'll be able to pick and choose um, across the board for the remainder of the season, whoever has the better matchup. So I don't even think I, I like, so right off the bat, I think I've already answered this one of like immediately saying, yeah, I prefer the best matchup between Logan Thomas and Jake Ferguson over trading for Ingram, who I love, by the way, Evan Ingram is one of the most consistent, has been one of the most consistent um, fantasy tight ends. He's getting you targets. He's not, you know, you're not going to get blinked by him. We haven't seen that same upside that we saw last year where all of a sudden he has, you know, two touchdowns from Trevor Lawrence and he's got a fantastic, you know, 25 plus point game league winning week. We haven't seen that yet, but that could be around the corner. We're still seeing, you know, Trevor's working through some stuff. We're seeing this offense continue to grow. So it's not a lost cause, but regardless, they're going through struggles and Evan Ingram has been this reliable. So this is not even a negative towards, I don't, you know, I don't want to trade for Ingram because I think you can stream right there and you can keep your wide receivers, but just for the note, Evan Ingram is a fantastic option, but yeah, going back to Logan Thomas and Jake Ferguson, I know it feels weird turning to Logan Thomas, but oddly enough, when he's been healthy, he's been very playable. He's been a guy that gets targets. He gets touchdown opportunities. And believe it or not, Sam Howell, from a real football perspective, has been up and down. <laughs> but from a fantasy football perspective, he's doing very well. Um, yeah, I laugh because, like, I mean, I was looking at the stats today because I was, um, for another content piece, looking at Sam Howell's stats, trying to figure something out with Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. Because it's funny, like, Logan Thomas has been very reliable and healthy. And the upside is super capped, unfortunately, because of that, because of the way that they're spreading the ball around and the tight end involvement and all of that. For the wide receivers, the upside has been so capped. Just And you expect more because Sam Howell has, um, I think he's top five in attempts. I wish I had written this down. He's top five in attempts and um, might be top three. And I wish I wrote that down, but he is, has one of the highest total passing attempts in the league, like the second highest completed passes in the league. Um, he has a 68% completion percentage. Now, granted, there are lots of interceptions mixed in and those are ups and downs, but from a fantasy football perspective, he is giving some, hey, Roll with it with Logan Thomas, and we're just crossing our fingers he stays healthy. And if he is ever banged up, you can head over to Jake Ferguson because he's tied in one for the remainder of the season. I believe he has solidified that role, and you just have to avoid the games where you can – it's predictable, really. You can look at the defense that Dallas is playing and say, hmm, I think that Dak is going to be trash here. 
So Jake Ferguson's floor might drop a little bit. It still won't be horrible, but it's going to drop a little bit. So yeah, that's the direction that I would go there. Um, we're also going to do some trade questions here a little bit real quick. Um, yeah, let's do some trade questions here real quick, and then we'll try to wrap things up. Um, we'll rapid fire this right here. James Connor, um, drop, sell, or hold on these players on IR. So, okay, so question here, how are we handling these IR players? Are we dropping them, selling them, or holding them? We'll start off with James Connor is the first one. James Connor is a hold for me. Um, you can't sell him because James Connor is somebody who, you know, just perennially sells at a value that isn't worth what his actual value is, just perception wise. Um, you definitely can't drop him. Uh, and we don't know for sure what his timeline looks like, right? We've heard um, that Anthony Richardson and Justin Jefferson, it's at least. Um, four games with them. It could be more James Connor. We don't really have a definitive timeline. So this is a hold situation. Devin a chain. Um, we do have a slightly more definitive timeline. We don't have exactly, but they did say they didn't, it was a tough choice for them to put him on IR as in he potentially didn't need the full IR time, but it just kind of made sense because they had Jeff Wilson coming off IR. Um, it just didn't make sense to hold HN on the active roster for those several weeks. This is a playoff team, so they want to give him, you know, a full recovery. Um, again, this is a hold, but if you can sell, because the value for him is still super high, I think you can also sell him as well. So hold if you can, but sell if someone is going to give you extreme value. Justin Jefferson and Anthony Richardson, I'll lump these two together. Um, these are fine sell opportunities. If you are... If you're undefeated or four and one, you can hold on. You can probably make it without these guys. But if not, you need to be a little bit careful, in my opinion. And you can get value out of them because if you're not in a position where you're contending um, in right now, if you're with a losing record, you need to figure out how to flip this boat around, okay? <laughs> you got to figure out how to flip this boat around and you need to sell on Justin Jefferson and Anthony Richardson and get some value out of this and turn your team around. Um, next mailbag question. Yeah, actually kind of similar mailbag question here from Mr. G Money. Um, yeah, I'll flip over to this one because it ties in. It's a two QB league question. I answered him directly on Twitter, but I wanted to pull this um, into the mailbag show as well. What to do with Anthony Richardson. Um, if you don't, if you're in a two QB league or super flex league and you don't have IR spots, it's rough. It is rough. The problem is, is that you can't drop him because he will immediately be picked up by a contender in your team or in your league. 100%. He will immediately be picked up by somebody who can afford to wait and then you're literally looking at a situation where he comes back in the playoffs or something or at the end of the season and is with another team that demolishes and then rolls to the championship. So this is kind of why I say looking at Anthony Richardson as a sell opportunity. If you can't afford to hold on to him, it's a sell. You have to find a way to get rid of him and someone will buy because people are believers. I mean, I would buy Anthony Richardson in the right situation. So put your failures out there and sell if you are in a rough spot in a two QB league for sure. 
All right, and then we'll close things out with one that I wanted to um, revisit from last year, uh, or from last week, excuse me, one that I wanted to revisit from last week. So, mm, Roshan Johnson, drop or hold was the question last week, and the answer was hold for me. And again, I wanted to revisit this because this is why this is the hold situation. I wanted to dive a little bit further into this in terms of talking about Roshan Johnson and the fact that you need to approach him um, aggressively here because this is a multi-week absence for Khalil Herbert. And even if he does not play this week because of the concussion issue, um, regardless, regardless here, this is a guy who will likely immediately step into a lead back role. I know some people are skeptical and thinking that Foreman is going to overtake. For the reason Foreman was inactive was because they could rely on Roshan Johnson. They didn't feel like they needed to. Like he he had already surpassed him, in my opinion. And Foreman does not have the receiving upside. He never has. I don't see where all of a sudden they're able to trust him with that even when he's been inactive for several games now. So you kind of got to lean towards really leaning into Roshan Johnson. And maybe if the concussion, you know, holds this week, you can also use this as a buy opportunity as well. That's also why I want to revisit this because I don't think that this is a situation where you just leave it alone. I think this is your opportunity to go in there and grab somebody that could have huge upside. Um, eventually, Khalil Herbert will be back, and his role won't be forgotten. He'll obviously have a chance to come back to um, the committee. But when Khalil Herbert comes back, he will come back into a situation where they'll be out of this beautiful time period. Like Chicago has a nice time period right now where they have good matchups. This is a good time for Roshan Johnson to play. And then when Khalil Herbert comes back, they'll get into these negative game scripts, which also benefits Roshan Johnson. Khalil Herbert has done well in positive game scripts where they can dominate on the ground. Unfortunately, I don't know if Chicago is going to continue to do that after this next these next several matchups. So this will be really interesting. But, but yeah, I just want to emphasize the opportunity here with Roshan Johnson. All right, guys, that wraps up the mailbag. And that just wraps up the show in general. Um, again, if you guys have any questions at all, you can always hit me up on Twitter at it's Tara time, I T S T E R A T I M E tag me. I will respond. If you want your question on the show, let me know. I'll put it on there. Um, so yeah, again, appreciate you listening to this. If you're listening to the podcast version, um, please make sure that you, um, subscribe. We appreciate subscriptions and reviews. That would be amazing. Greatly appreciated. And if you're watching this on YouTube, hello. Thank you. Appreciate the comments coming in. Um, be sure to like the video and drop me a comment afterwards as well. So I can respond to it and then make sure that you're subscribed to player profiler as well. All right, guys, that wraps things up. I will see you here next week. Good luck with your fantasy lineups. Cross your fingers that everything goes perfectly. I hope you all win. Appreciate you joining in. Have a fantastic week.